episode 117 of the Big Rhetorical Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Woods. On this episode of TBR Podcast, I chat with the conference organizers for the 2023 Computers and Writing Conference, Carl Whithouse and Corey Ching. We'll get to that interview in a minute. As you all know, the Big Rhetorical Podcast promotes the work of graduate students through our Emerging Scholars series. And last year, we launched the Big Rhetorical Podcast Fellowship. We are seeking a graduate student to serve as the Big Rhetorical Podcast Fellow for the 2022-2023 academic year. This fellowship is through our nonprofit organization and comes with a payment of $200. This fellowship will give the fellow experience working with a leading academic podcast, connecting with scholars in the field of rhetoric, writing studies, and adjacent areas, and gaining valuable experience working and producing in the field. The fellow will assist in various aspects of running a podcast, including designing social media initiatives with the goal of growing TBR podcast reach and listenership. The fellow will also help with production, including booking and interviewing for their own episode during season eight. Applications should come from graduate students with research interests in rhetoric, writing studies, digital publishing, technical communication, and or social media. To apply, please send a CV and an email of interest to thebigrhetorical at gmail.com with the subject line, TBR Podcast Fellow Application. Applications are due on November 30th, 2022. Computers and Writing Conference 2023 will be hosted by the University of California at Davis, June 22nd through 25th, 2023. The theme of the conference is To What End? Hybrid Practices for Engagement and Equity. From the CFP, quote, the work of compositionists already exists in a hybrid space at the intersection of humanities and social sciences, engaged directly in classrooms, but also in learning spaces beyond blending traditional textual practices with multiple media. As we strive towards social and linguistic justice in our field, we need to explode assumptions about what kinds of practices belong and where a hybridized approach opens up greater possibilities for inclusion in higher education, end quote. Today, on TBR Podcast, I talk with the conference organizers for Computers in Writing 2023, Carl Whithouse, and Corey Ching. I hope you enjoy the interview.
Who are you? What's your name, your title, and your role there at your institution? Who are you and what do you do? I'm Carl Whithouse. I'm um, a professor of writing and rhetoric in the university writing program at UC Davis. Um, this current year, I have a planoply of titles. I'm the associate director of the program for personnel. I'm the associate director for writing in the disciplines, and I'm chair of the writing rhetoric and composition studies um, PhD emphasis. And there is a long story of how I managed to get three titles, um, but that's my gig this year. And co-chair of the Computers and Writing Conference in 2023 with Corey. And there's a transition. Uh, yeah, I'm Corey Chang. I'm now associate professor in the university writing program. Just got tenure uh, back in June. So, um, and uh, I'm also the associate director for online writing instruction in our program. And that's a that's a position that was new three years ago, just barely pre-pandemic. Um, and had and as you can imagine, sort of shifted gears quite a bit in the spring of 2020, um, and became more a, a kind of triage sort of position than anything else. Um, and it's it's but it's been a kind of wild ride. And I think we're doing some really interesting stuff in our program with especially with development of hybrid and online courses and faculty development. So that's been kind of my focus in the program over the last three three in a half years, something like that. And like Carl mentioned, you all are the co-chairs of the 2023 Computers and Writing Conference. And we're going to talk a little bit about the CFP. We're going to talk about UC Davis and expectations for conference goers. But I actually want to start first by asking you both a little bit about um, your experiences and relationship uh, with, to and with the Computers and Writing Conference and community. Uh, when did you first get involved with the Computers and Writing community? Uh, what's your history with the conference? And what do you love about that community? And maybe on this one, we can hear from Corey first. Yeah, and I think it makes sense for me to start because I am I I have not quite a, as deep uh, a background in Computers and Writing. I mean, my my uh, my scholarly emphases and my research focus has shifted over time quite a bit. Now I'm focused squarely on writing technologies and how they impact literate practices and also teaching technologies and how those impact pedagogical practices. I think there's a, there's a kind of like uh, uh, synergy there between those things. Um, I was, however, involved in the, in the 2010 uh, planning committee back when I think it was 2010 when uh, UC Davis hosted uh, computers and writing the last time or was it 2009 Carl it was 09 okay sorry it was 09 um, and I you know it had been a few times uh, before that as well I, I remember going to Michigan at one point um, so it's been and, and I've always sort of liked the like this and also um you know, things like the Watson Conference in Louisville, like the, the smaller conferences in the field have always felt more like great spaces for some right, real connection with other scholars and, and researchers. Um, not to diss uh, four C's, but it <laughs> often feels like a, a very large conference that, that is easy to get lost in. Um, so, you know, I've, I've always kind of loved the community. 
Um, one of my faculty in my PhD program was Gail Haywisher uh, at the time. So, you know, it always felt like I, I, she, and she was always, you know, a superstar in the computers and writing uh, kind of cert orbit, right? Um, and it was always fun to kind of go to that conference and, and see that happen as well. So yeah, computers and writing. I think my first computers and writing conference was down at the the University of Florida, um, and it was, gosh, I, I mean, I was in graduate school at CUNY, and I think I was in my own sort of, I was still in coursework, and I wasn't like... I hadn't fully like settled on retcomp as what I was working in. I mean, I was working between, I knew I wanted to write on technologies of text. Um, and I wasn't sure if it was this new wild thing in the 1990s, the, the internet and HTML. And like, that's what I was interested in. Or if I was interested in the printing press and like early, like late medieval, early modern, like, I mean, and it was like, I, I really, I mean, like my application to PhD programs had all been about textual technologies and I hadn't like figured out where I wanted to go. And I think in many ways, well, there's a lot of things. I mean, CUNY is a hard place not to become interested in, um, in composition pedagogy. I mean, I was working with Ira Shore, Sandra Pearl, George Adi. And so those folks were drawing my interest. But I think what really settled in many ways, the direction for me was going down to that computers and writing and there was like Greg Ulmer and all of his graduate students down there was like, oh, this sort of makes sense in a way that fits with the composition work that I'm doing with teaching students in New York, working with students in New York, working with colleagues in New York. And I started to think about connections between actually writing assessment, computer technologies, and like the real lived experiences of writers. Um, there was, we had what was called the Watt exam for all of CUNY at this time, the writing assessment test. And it was a sit down, I mean, you'll, a lot of folks will be familiar with this, a sit down time, pen and paper, hour exam, and write. And I was getting to teach in computer labs and the writing that folks were doing in computer labs was felt like real world writing, whereas the Watt exam did not. And that coupled with going to computers and writing sort of sealed the direction of the rest of graduate school for me. And then, oh my God, the next, you know, 20, 30 years uh, of a career. So yeah, computers and writing has been important for me. Um, probably regularly attended in the 1990s, hosted in 2009. And then there was a little bit of space. I was director of the writing program here for seven years. And I think I sort of missed a number of C and W's while I was director because I kept hitting um, WPA and it was hard to go to both of those conferences. Mm -hmm. But I'm really delighted to sort of be back and regularly involved with computers and writing and Kairos and, and the community here. You mentioned 2009, uh, UC Davis hosted computers and writing. So it's been a minute, uh, 13, 14 years. 
When did you decide that you wanted to host Computers and Writing in 2023? Well, I think we decided, Corey, that we actually were more, we, we were thinking like a decade was a good length of time between conferences. So probably around 2019, we started thinking about it. And we are, I think we were going to actually originally host in 2020. Um because we had proposed, I mean, we were going to follow East Carolina and I think they were in 2019 originally and we were 2020. Maybe it, maybe we were going to go 2021, but it was, it was around 2019, 2020 when we, we put the proposal in um, and then we're planning on hosting. Yeah. I have the, I have the recollection that I, we got delayed twice. Um, so, so I think we were originally 2021. Um, so the, the, the plan got hatched in the before times, right. Um, and, and clearly got derailed by, uh, you know, the world. Um, and I, you know, I, I also remember thinking, you know, as we were having conversations back in like 2019, 2020, before the pandemic, um, you know, there's also that issue of, uh, you know, this is a small conference that moves around, right? And um, I think there have been challenges in the past for Seven Seas, the organizing, you know, body, um, to find enough uh, uh, venues, right? The institutions that are willing to uh, to host, and and in some respects, you know, we we've encountered any number of ways it's, it's become more both more and less difficult to host on a campus than than it might have been even just five years ago. Um so I I think there was a, a certain amount of I don't know uh field citizenship going on feeling like you know it had been long enough and that we and I I I remember hearing a lot of positive feedback from the 2009 conference. Uh people really loving you know Davis is a small college town but it's it's got it's got plenty of charms, <laughs> and uh, I think California is a great place to be when it's not super hot or uh, smoked out with forest fires. So, um, uh, it's 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 a great place for a conference, and I and I, I don't know. I I was just eager to to invite uh, our friends in the community back uh, for uh, especially now post pandemic. Um, knock on wood, right. <laughs> Well, and it also seems like like four C's has the like rotates around the country regularly. And because CNW relies on conference people proposing and asking, I think you can get a weird geographic distribution. And it had been what Michigan State, George Mason, East Carolina. And mm -hmm. so part of our thinking was, oh, having it back on the West Coast makes sense. And I think there was a little bit of that that we put into the the proposal to seven C's. So, yeah. Yeah. I talked last year with the conference organizers for East Carolina on the podcast. Longtime listeners might remember that um, really engaging conversation about the process of organizing a conference during the pandemic. And so I wanted to give you both some space to talk a little bit about that. 
what <laughs> I can ask the big wide open question. What's it been like? And I am, but, <laughs> but how also, long do you have? I know. Right. But I also wonder if you could turn to like concrete or, or tangible examples of like where things have gone wrong and importantly, how you've overcome, right. To be a bit cliche, to be able to bring us to Davis in 2023. Well, I, I I think I alluded earlier to there being both uh, it being both easier and harder, uh, at least for us on our campus. Um, I think that one of the things that's going to make it easier for us is, as opposed to tw- 2009, um, we have a lot more hoteling space in town, for instance. We have a more robust uh, conferencing services on, on our campus. Um, and, and one of the things we're really excited about is we have a new building called the Teaching and Learning Complex on, on campus that was developed specifically um, to, you know, the, the room, the spaces, the rooms were built specifically to foster active learning environments. Um, and so they're, they're not, you know, your traditional uh, classroom spaces. And they're not even, some of them are, but not all even specifically like computer lab spaces, but spaces where collaboration is is uh, intended to happen, um, like you know desks and pods, but also with screens for for zooming with right. You know, so that there are groups. tables tables that set up against the wall, and then you got a big monitor on the back, and the four or five computers six around the table can project up onto that shared screen and some, I mean, and then they range in space. I mean, we've got some that are accommodate 120 people, but in like large, you know, where you can break into tables of six or 10, we're thinking of that room for the graduate research network, but then other smaller rooms, like where we get to teach writing classes or the lucky faculty who managed to get in the new, the new building, um, you know, have rooms for 25 people, but the same sort of collaborative environments. And, yeah. And then as teaching spaces, we're we're finding out that the the they love the people who run this building love writing faculty, right? We're we're doing the kinds of instruction that they and pedagogy that they kind of envisioned when they when they built these spaces. Um, and and we've been lucky enough to get you know a good chunk of that building just dedicated to uh, to be conference spaces during that the the period that we had there. There's a there's a narrow window, <laughs> interstitial window between the end of our spring quarter and the beginning of our first summer session, where where we can get in there and use the space. At least that's the plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The the time between graduation and then the start of summer one. So computers and writing, I think, always sort of finds that sweet spot of of dead week almost at every campus. Um, and that's a, a great time to, to host. Um, you know, the other thing that I'm thinking is sort of related to the conference theme of hybridity. Um, because I think we knew when we originally proposed we were interested in hybrid. And I think in some ways there's been almost like an amplification. I mean, the 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 change of the pandemic um and the way that remote learning has happened and the way that lots of folks, not only in computers and writing, but just in higher ed more generally, are thinking about hybrid, high flex, remote, distance learning, like all these different 
modalities and which ones work best, that's become a much wider conversation. I mean, I think computers and writing has always been interested in like distance learning and those things, but it feels like there's a different, I don't know, materiality, a different urgency to it. And we had started named it and we're like, yeah, this is interesting three, four years ago when we proposed the conference. And then when we came back and like, we were like, okay, here's the CFP that's going out. This, I mean, it was hybridity, but like, to what end? Like, what, what does it mean? What does it really look like? So I think there's something interesting. Like, I feel like we were onto an important thing and the urgency of the theme of hybridity has just been increased by experiences in higher education. I mean, particularly in writing classrooms, but I would argue more broadly in post-secondary education that this, this idea of high flex, how do you teach with technology, with people in the classroom, away from the classroom, that's become important. And then for conference organizers, both, I mean, East Carolina and certainly Davis, we're aiming to have both in-person as well as remote, like at, available at the same time. And that's, that's interesting. It's different than earlier computers and writing. Like in 2009, we did have online, we actually were, um, you could go back to iTunes and we had a number of the keynote sessions and that available on iTunes. I mean, it was one of the first um, conferences where we made sure we had keynotes that were available through, um, I think it was iTunes back then or, uh, or Apple Music or whatever, but we did did have recordings of that. But now it just feels like it's part and parcel of um, what we need to attend to. We're also encouraging through the proposal process, um, uh, proposers to uh, to think about what's you know what kinds of participation they want to do, right? And and to and we're we're entirely willing and hoping to work with people who have maybe innovative approaches to um, to uh, you know not only on completely on site or or asynchronous or or synchronous online um but there may even be some you know some opportunities here for hybridity the the spaces that we're going to be using for the conference could in fact be you know a kind of high flex uh space for uh presentations um with maybe presenters both on site and and remote maybe uh you know audience uh both on site and remote um where you know still kind of like working through the the logistics of that and and learning the spaces that that we're going to be using um but we do hope uh we, we do hope that that uh you know potential presenters will give some thought to how they want the interaction to happen in those spaces um both virtual and and in person um and so you know the, the and that's that comes out of we we had this explicit conversation about you know if the if the theme of the conference is going to be hybridity we should think about hybridizing the conference in meaningful ways um at the same time i think we were reluctant to impose a particular view of what that hybridity is going to look like on everybody 
Um, so I think that's where this idea of like, you know, asking presenters to think through their what what they would like to accomplish and how the interaction is going to happen. I think that's that's where that idea originally came from. Let's turn toward the CFP now and talk a little bit about the theme and the call computers and writing conference 2023 to what end hybrid practices for engagement and equity. Let's start with that to what end question mark. Why was it important to shape this call with that first, right? That's the first thing that we see is to what end? What does that mean? Why is that important for the call? Well, that's, that's, that's interesting because my recollection and Carl's recollection might be different, but my recollection is that the to what end, like the hybrid theme came first and then to what end uh, was where we ended up. And then, you know, as, as good rhetoricians, we, we take the, the lead and, and put it in the front. Right. Um, so we, uh, the, the hybrid thing, I will, I will admit to being almost completely uh, selfish on my part, which is I was, you know, we were knee deep in proposing grants for grants to develop, um, to do course redesigns for hybrid courses in our program. I was proposing these courses. We were doing some faculty development in and around hybridizing those courses. So like hybridity was much you know, sort of pedagogical cur- curricular hybridity was on my mind at the time. And I think that's that's a large part of where that part of it came from. But as we formed a, a preliminary or initial organizing committee, um, wh- one thing I think worth knowing is that on our campus, we, we are an independent writing program. Um, but our Senate faculty, Carl and I, and and four other of our, our of our colleagues, are also members of the Graduate Group in Education, which is you know attached to the School of Education on our campus. So there's a lot of sort of overlap and connection between those those uh, entities. Um, so we had a, a a couple of the the faculty members over in the in School of Ed join us in conversations about the theme. And I, I think that helped us kind of, and they have a, a, a very explicit, let's say DEI or social justice orientation to, uh, to their program. Um, and, I, and I think it was through kind of like those conversations between us and among us that we realized like, yeah, okay, hybridity, but not for its own sake, right? What, what do we want hybridity for? Who does hybridity serve? Um, and not necessarily just in terms of curriculum and instruction, but also in terms of hybrid methodologies, hybrid practice, literate, pra- hybrid practices of literacy, right? That sort of stuff. So I think, I think it just kind of like opened up that theme and pushed it in a direction that helped us think more deeply about like we're not just talking about like hybrid course offerings. We're talking about like hybridity, kind of more writ large. I think. Yeah, I would say that's absolutely right. And foregrounding the the to what end really came out of conversations with the with the organizing committee and really with a sense of just be the goal of hybrid, high flex, remote 
it's not just to put instruction in that environment. It's really asking, at least as a conference call, it's asking the computers and writing community of teachers and researchers to think about what, what do we want to get out of these uses of technology? And I think there's a lot of valuable things that the community has to offer to other researchers, but also to, you know, WPAs, to associate deans, to provosts and vice provosts for undergrad ed, like that whole segment of folks can hear conversations that are being developed here and take those out to other places. Um, and certainly I think our connections, but with education, but also with a number of folks involved in teaching and learning centers throughout the UCs and the CSUs is, um, is an important part of that turn, not mm -hmm. foregrounding the hybrid, but mm -hmm. foregrounding the, what's the purpose of it? To what end are you doing this? And I, I think that question becomes even more, it, it's, it's become sharper as we emerge from the pandemic, right? Um, there are a lot of conversations on our campus, I imagine elsewhere as well, um, about what a return to normal looks like or whether even a return to normal is what's desired, right? Is, is that in fact what we want? Um, and, you know, as, as I work on a, a project where we're interviewing uh, students and doing focus groups with students on their experiences in our hybrid writing courses, we're learning that a lot of, we're learning that the pandemic had really had this huge impact on how students think about in-class time, how they think about remote instruction and learning. Um, and, you know, to, to our satisfaction, they're telling us overwhelmingly that our hybrid courses are kind of like the best of both worlds, right? That that they get to do some self-direction, have some flexibility about when their work happens, but also uh, have that social connection with their instructors and their peers in the face-to-face -face classes. I think a lot of us, I, and I mean us, faculty and students and the, the, the whole institution, um, are thinking a lot about like, well, what is the value of being in person? What is the value of doing remote work? What is the value and how do those things connect to each other? So, so I think that question of hybridity becomes one of a sort of recursive, like what are the pieces we can take from the, the, you know, the, the different modalities that will uh, work together to make us, you know, to, to I, I don't know, form a new way of, of being, a, a way of life, both literate and other, otherwise, that I think is, those are questions worth asking in this moment. Yeah. Well, it also feels really fraught right now in some ways. I mean, so this is, you know, fall 2022. And Officially, I think the the leadership of the campus is saying we're returning, you know, we're returning to normal. Um, it's an in-person residential campus. That residential Davis experience is hugely important for the community, what students get, particularly bringing in. I mean, we have a very diverse campus, so bringing folks together, 
physically in a small college town that's right outside of Sacramento, the capital, like our campus leadership really values that experience. At the same time they value that, there's this other mantra of flexibility. Instructors be flexible, figure out how to allow students to access things. And then you get the way that those converge and meet. And I mean, this is like where the rubber meets the road. The problem is for teachers, we're now being told, you know, oh, you're back in person, but be as flexible as possible in case a student needs to attend remotely. And high flexes, I mean, as Corey's alluded, I mean, hybrid is hard enough and you have to prepare for it. And if you design it well, it works. But like, if you're trying to do high, like it just, you can't just turn on a camera and capture the lecture in a writing course and have one student out of 25 or two who are remote have the same experiences as in class. And yeah, so it's the, I think the demands and it's both, I would say campus leadership, also students and even our own instructors, like trying to navigate that feels particularly messy in the in this endemic phase and i don't know i I guess that's partially why i mean corey said yeah selfishly like picking hybridity but it's i mean it's selfish in that we're working on it but we imagine also that other folks in computers and Mm -hmm. writing composition studies education are working through this and we really want the conference to be an opportunity for folks to think about this have conversations not only within your own college community where you're working this out, but sometimes when you bring things that you're working on out to a wider community with folks from around the US and that, and around Canada and, you know, from around the world, like the computers and writing community, you you have things that you can then bring back that will make a useful change on your campus in terms of how you're delivering instruction. Well, and to and to return back to that theme question, the thematic question of to what end, right? Um, you know, a prime example is you know the, the some of the some of the issues you were just outlining, Carl, are are about accessibility, right? And we have quite a few. There, there's a there's a vocal student uh, uh, movement in the UC system, for instance, um, who's who's basically saying, you know, uh, remote instruction was terrific for some students. It it allowed them or us or whatever access to instruction, learning environments and whatever that they that, that had been hard to access uh, under you know the normal traditional um in you know fully in-person uh modes. And so now we're we're in this moment where where some students are saying like well why you we can have that, right? <laughs> Why can't we keep having that? Um, and I think it's a it's an important question. It's not as simple as Carl says as simply saying like, okay, we're we're gonna do we're gonna do it all all at the same time because there are of course issues with labor and workload and uh, and just resources that that also need to get hammered out. So, I, I, I again, I kind of th- think like, you know. In some ways, we we anticipated a really important question pre-pandemic that has become even more salient uh, as we emerge out of it. Right. What I think is so brilliant about the CFP and 
the way that you were thinking about hybridity before, you know, in the before times, I guess, Corey, as you described it, <laughs> is that, and it's clear, like from the beginning of the CFP, right? You see compositionists as already, and I'm quoting almost, existing in a space of hybridity, right? Mm-hmm. In their work. And then later on in the CFP, you call this a watershed moment. And I agree. Mm-hmm. So then when we think about compositionists existing in a space of hybridity and this being a watershed moment, what are your hopes then, right? What are your hopes for where these conversations can go? This could be in during the conference, beyond the conference, research studies, empirical data, public conversations. What do you mm-hmm. think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually, you know, what's really interesting about that, that question is I think some of the research questions that we're interested in do not, are not only like pedagogical curriculum modes of delivering instruction. And in fact, I know like at CNW 2022 at East Carolina, some of the wonderful sessions that I heard really ask questions about like, what does it mean in terms of, of TikTok and ways in which TikTok dances um, originate with, or some can originate with like an African-American out of black culture. And then you have an influencer who's white, who takes that, who ends up instead of getting 3 million hits ends up getting 27 million and then is monetizing that. And I'm just picking TikTok and, and dance as a, as an example, but there were a number of, other sessions there where folks were talking about AI and writing technologies. Um, and what does that mean when essays like can be in part composed with the computer? So it seems like there's a number of ways in which hybridity is also a question of social science research, of human computer interaction. And that to me, like, because we're faculty at the University of California and we're dedicated to connecting with students and thinking through these access questions, I think in one way we zero in on questions of diversity, equity, inclusion, and access But I also think we wrote the CFP to think about what are the implications of hybridity as a theme that deals with writing and communication? What does it mean when we're like always live and things are always layered or laminated or while there's multiple multiple contexts at play at once. And I think the computers and writing community has done a really good job of thinking about those things in ways that speak to other research communities, whether it's sociology, online anthropology, digital humanities. Um, And I think that's also a potential area in which people who are reading the CFP should then think about what can I bring to the conference to think about hybridity, multiple context, the laminated sort of ways in which we're composing and writing 
with technologies now. And I'm sure every conference committee or conference organizer goes through some process of, of when they're thinking through the theme, at least we did, right? Um, the theme is not meant to be exclusionary, right? It's not meant to say like, well, if you're if you're interested in the hybrid hybridity or you're interested in hybrid pedagogy or whatever, this conference is for you and, and everyone else is sort of out of luck, right? Whatever you happen to be working on then, it's like, well, maybe you don't fit this year's theme. Like that's never been a huge problem with computers and writing, I don't think. Um, but at the same time, I think you you try to shape a, a, a proposal that uh, has enough invitations to a wide range of scholarly and methodological approaches, right? Um, or, you know, people interested in pedagogy can focus on that and hybridity. They can, people interested in, in research methods can focus on that and hybridity or, or hybrid technologies or whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I think I'm speaking for all of us that on the committee that uh, we wanted, we want people to interpret that idea as broadly as possible and to, and to see if that helps them think through what they're working on right now or want to work on. So you've got us coming to California in June, 2023. What are we going to be doing if we're not, when we're not conferencing, what can conference goers expect from Davis, from the campus, the community, what do we need to put on our agenda beyond all these excellent sessions? You know, I was just listening back to the your podcast with the the ECU folks, and their answer to this question was axe throwing, right, or hatchet throwing. Um, and I didn't go to that conference, so I don't I don't know how how you know how that was received. It went over really. It actually <laughs> was a really well attended. I think it went over really well event. At- well, and I think we're we're still thinking this through, but we do in fact have a hatchet throwing space in Davis. Um, if if we want that to be the new uh, tradition going forward, we could certainly Re- replacing replacing bowling with with axe throwing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm down for it. I, we should check out the space ahead of time, Carl, and make sure that that's that's uh, going to work. We also have a bowling alley on campus, so that's that's something worth considering. And we 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 also have a um it's been a little I'm not sure actually what the status is of it, but we had a semi esports level gaming uh room, right, with with network machines for, you know, network gaming um that we you know may be able to access and and, yeah. and get get yeah so you know getting to, not an arcade right like actual <laughs> networked gaming computers um that might be worth exploring as well so i i think there those are a few options i don't know carl did you want to add yeah i was actually it's really funny that you went with uh to to axe throwing and bowling in that space down at the bottom of the M- mu i was thinking you would go to um ride to cnw and uc oh. Davis having the the yeah. bicycle hall of fame so um that's true that's true that could be interesting um so we do have we have world-class cycling in and around davis um the tour of california comes through davis uh on a regular you know yearly basis usually and we're home to the cycling hall of fame which is um doesn't look much from the outside but it's actually kind of a really interesting space i don't know if you've been in there carl but they they have uh a lot of 
kind of memorabilia from the the history of uh, uh, you know uh, cycling competitive cycling. Um, along with lots of old timey bikes and, and stuff like that, that that might be actually a nice venue for a for a get together. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's just located right off of campus, right on Central Park in downtown Davis, which is where a number of the conference hotels will be. We also have um, the Hyatt Place um, Conference Hotel is in what they call the Gateway District. So it's located right next to the Shrem Art Museum, the Mandavi Performing Arts Center, and the um, the Alumni Center. And in fact, our opening reception is going to be in the Alumni Center, which is like on sort of the southern part of campus. Um, and has a nice sort of outdoor patio area, but also um, good good inside space so we know we're gonna do that for the opening reception and then that's really close to one of the the main conference hotels so i think there's a lot of good space um davis is a great town for um for walking and biking so there's mm -hmm. lots of things to do there there's the um the arboretum which runs along the southern side of campus and is a great place to to walk along in that um while you're here so yeah i think there's a lot of of possibilities and things for things for folks to do in town and and i know there are some cycling aficionados in the in the community um and you know we we could certainly put together uh you know uh, rides out in the in the farmland of varying degrees of difficulty um uh yeah so that and it's it's a lovely place to ride so uh yeah. we, our, we work with the ride to cw folks to like to work on the log logistics for that yeah i think it's both ride to cnw but also a final closing activity on sunday last time we hosted we did there's the Davis bike loop, which allows you to ride all around, but we worked with some local bike shops to have a place where folks could go to rent bikes if they wanted to. And then we rode and then ate at last time it was at Bistro 33, where the folks who were still around or who were catching flights out on Monday rather or later on Sunday, rather than first thing, um, were able to gather for an you know, evening. So it was sort of a slow denouement or exit from the conference. And I think, and certainly the the bike loop are the little quarter of the bike loop that we did as a final activity last time um, is not as strenuous as some of the the rides that Corey is suggesting, which are also <laughs> available and, and good to do for folks, but we will certainly have something that's bike theme. We will have either axes or bowling and our, um, <laughs> gaming opportunities for folks. So yeah, we have some fun things to do. Oh, oh, and last thing that I would say, last little plug, food trucks. So at the axe throwing at East Carolina, there was a food truck. We will do something with food trucks, um, either for some lunches or other opportunities. We will make sure some of our, our local food trucks, which are regularly on campus in an area called the silo, which is right next to the teaching learning um, complex. Um, we will make sure that they're there or that they know we're around um, even during dead week and see if we can get some of our food trucks to come by. So come <laughs> eat with us as well. Computers and Writing Conference 2023. To what end? Hybrid Practices for Engagement and Equity. Carl and Corey, thanks for chatting with me today. 
and I'll see you in California in June. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. organizers for computers and writing conference 2023 to what end hybrid practices for engagement and equity more information about computers and writing 2023 including the cfp can be found at cwcon2023.ucdavis.edu Okay, I'll be back next week with another new episode of the Big Rhetorical Podcast. Until then, always be listening rhetorically. The Big Rhetorical Podcast is produced by Exalt Digital Media. Exalt Digital Media, not for profit. The Big Rhetorical Podcast was recorded on the land of multiple native nations, past and present. These original homelands are the territory of indigenous peoples who were largely dispossessed and removed. We specifically acknowledge the traditional stewardship of this land by the Wichita, Kikapoo, and Tawakoni peoples. Music for the Big Rhetorical Podcast is brought to you by DJ Lane, Stepha Helix, and Mechmonite.